manipulate the price of gold and silver. But all that money printing that they've done has flowed into the only non-manipulated currency in the world, and that is Bitcoin. I think this is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. Once in a while, you can Bitcoin changes absolutely everything. What's in there? Only what you take with you. Hey Dale, thanks for making the times. Thanks for yeah. joining in impromptu. Like, yeah, just uh, like I messaged you last night, and he's like, "Yeah, for sure, you can do this." So thanks for doing that. Of course, man. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Merrick. Yeah. Uh, how about we jump straight into it and like you give the audience a bit of a background about yourself, and then yeah, towards the latter end of that, like maybe touch upon how you found Bitcoin. For sure. So uh, I guess just from a professional background, I was originally a lawyer and then got into commercial real estate and spent sort of more or less a decade in the space. And in 2020, my wife and I moved across to northern New South Wales. The idea was we're going to move to Brizzy and, you know, happy days. Well, COVID really took hold. And shockingly, you can't really earn an income from commercial real estate um, if you're not actually there. Uh, you actually have to be physically present. It's one of those jobs. So I found myself actually needing to find a way to earn an income um, remotely. And I'd always taken an interest in finance. And so I took it upon myself to do a financial planning diploma, and it was pretty basic, ran through all the different kinds of asset classes, but uh, much like a lot of people, I enjoy consuming content in video form, so I jumped onto YouTube and saw a lot of really interesting stuff and heard Bitcoin repeated over and over and over again, and it was probably the third time that it had sort of penetrated my consciousness because... I heard about it when it was about 800 bucks uh, from my friend's cousin and just didn't even ask questions about it. And then it sort of was in the background between, let's say, 2015 to 2018. And I remember when the bear market was really in full force, it looked as if Bitcoin, I can't remember what the actual dollar figure was, but it looked like it was on the way down. And mm. in my mind, I thought, finally, this thing to make sense, man. And I always had a, yeah, so I had a bit of a, like a, a value investor slant. So I'm not going to pretend I was a um, like professional investor by any stretch of the imagination, but I definitely was investing my own money since I was in law. And mm. I was just very much fundamentally of the view that things needed to have like a cash flow. And I, I read a whole bunch of books, you know, The Intelligent Investor and that sort of thing. So it was very easy to dismiss Bitcoin because mm. obviously it doesn't have a cash flow. And I wasn't a gold bug or anything like that. I didn't think about sound money, hard money, that kind of stuff. Right. And yeah, so there we are, 2020, and I'm doing this financial planning diploma. And we also had just some cash that we had brought across from South Africa that I'd yet to really deploy in any meaningful way because... We were thinking, oh, where are we going to settle? We're going to buy a house. What are we going to do? Mm. And then I was like, you know what? Like, 
I think we need to find a way to deploy this. I, I need a strategy. So I was, while studying for my financial planning diploma, I was like, all right, I'm going to be my own fund manager, if you like. And I'm going to start trying to do some capital allocation. And Bitcoin kept on popping up over and over and over again. And it was, there were two people in particular that got me really down the rabbit hole. Uh, one, unfortunately, has disappointingly ventured into NFTs and shitcoinery, uh, Mr. Raul Pal. Um, and the other was Simon Dixon, an OG. Uh, and yeah. I really identified super strongly with what he was saying. And one of his comments was just like, at that time, you know, the economies had shut and governments were handing out stimmy checks. And he said, well, if governments are just printing all this money and handing out money, what are we paying taxes for? And as someone who was always uh, a little bit anti-authoritarian, I questioned things, also did a philosophy degree um, and always mm. liked libertarianism. I was like, yeah, let me dig a bit deeper. And so so my journey into Bitcoin began. And so I made a really small allocation in mid-2020. That's when I first got my toes wet. And I wanted to I wanted to make a bigger allocation because it was so exciting. But I mm. thought it's irresponsible if I don't do the work. I need to understand yes. what this thing's about. So I came across this website called Case Bitcoin. I think it's okay. quite underutilized. It's not really updated very frequently but effectively it just says it just gives all the main critiques against bitcoin uh, as well as the rebuttals and then it just provides you with all of this fantastic content around um, reasons why you'd want a non-zero allocation so i actually wrote my own mm. thesis in 2021 early 2021 just so that i could justify to myself okay I want to invest more and I just want to and understand it. And so after having written that thesis, I was like, all right, now I'm switching my gold allocation to Bitcoin. You don't need bonds. The 60-40 portfolio is dead. And so and so it goes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because and just, I mean, there's lots to unpack there, but just going back to what triggered you to like, oh, I need to do something in uh, like financial planning. Like I need to get my, yeah. F is that like coming from a personal side? Like, oh, I have this, uh, I have this extra savings and trying to identify where I should allocate money to. Cause it, for most of us, like, because we live in this fiat world, we are not able to save in hard money or we are just not able to save money anymore. Right? Like we have to educate ourselves in as to like, oh, where's the best place to park some funds so that, I have it for me in the future or I'm beating the inflation rate. There's no, cause in the past you could easily hold on to assets like gold or that's probably our parents, grandparents time coming out of that. We could sort of save money in at least speaking, cause I, I come from a banking background and, and at least in India, the percentages or the rate on uh, return on like the interest rates are a bit higher. So you could easily park in, your funds in a savings account or a fixed deposit that's a long-term maturity and you'd earn some interest out of that right and we don't have that anymore and then you you want to look at oh what's what what's all these people doing regarding shares or equity and mutual funds and all of this so and then we try uh, <clears throat> so even so another thing is like a professional that's working say as an electrician or a doctor they all have to 
study finance as well because that's the only way they could beat inflation or they're able to save money for the future right is that what triggered mm. you to go down that path yeah like i guess i'm very fortunate in the sense that my my dad is a chartered accountant and so i've always been uh, i've always had the benefit of having somebody to learn from so that makes a big difference and he was very prudent with his money and taught me a lot early on just about sound money principles, uh, sound finance principles, not sound money. Um, he's still mm. Keynesian by heart, I think. <laughs> um, but I think the, the, the initial idea is obviously you need to, you need to be in a position where you've, you're uh, cash flow positive. So you need to be able to actually put aside a percentage. And then the question becomes, well, what do you stick it in? And what I've always longed for in my life is financial freedom and not because I just want to buy things. Like I don't really need that much stuff. Like I would like probably a bigger house. I'm happy with my car. I don't need things per, per se. What I really want is freedom. And I think what money does for me, why I wanted to at least have a plan in place was that I just want optionality. I want to be able to make decisions that I want to, and I don't want to be beholden to anybody else in my life. So I wanted to make sure that whichever like the amount of capital we had, I could grow it significantly and in a responsible way, which is why I did so much work and research into Bitcoin. Um, and the goal for me has always been, and it's really just an arbitrary number, but it's 50. I'm 39 now, so I've got a, I've got a hustle, but I've always said by the time I'm 50, if I wanted to literally just live a very simple, I don't want to say subsistence life because that's not really mm. what I'm looking for because I love travel. I love experiencing different cultures and that sort of thing. But I want to be in a position where I can do what I want when I want. And that's what yeah. really strongly motivated me towards saying, get your ducks in a, in a row, boy, because it's just sitting here in cash. You're missing the it's what's clearly happening in the markets because obviously equity markets went boom mm. as soon as um, you know they collapsed and I was like, yeah, these things never last. All these assets are on sale. So I went and bought Qantas and all of these shares because I, I knew like they're going to come back up. And then I sold them uh, at sort of a fifty percent profit. And you know, had I known how obvious it was in hindsight, I would have gone bigger. But yeah, I guess that was sort of my main objective to say, I actually just want to keep growing this capital pie so that when I'm 50, I can sort of say, you know what, now I can live life on my own terms. Because I've, up mm. until relatively recently, have felt largely constrained in terms of the way I live my life. I feel like, I don't want to say I'm a slave, but I kind of have a job and you're doing your yep. job. And uh, I really just wanted to work for myself. And so I thought, well, maybe this mm. capital can do the work for me. Yeah, 100%. It's like that concept of financial freedom. And as you mentioned, it's like the ability to do what you want when you want, right? And like, given that we are stuck in this rat race, uh, and then and then even and it gets harder, as they're printing more money, or as this inflation and prices of things going up and all sorts of, you know what I'm talking about, but like, mm. but we're stuck in this rat race, or we or the or and even to stay in the same place, so even to like just sustain, we got to work a second job or find something that's higher paying, and and then we're just stuck, and like and it keeps going on and on and on, right? And then 
Absolutely. And what's really soul destroying is to look at the amount of people and I'd put myself in this category who actually just lack the passion for what they're doing. So if, if money was really what mattered to me more than anything else, I would have just stuck to doing law, honestly, because yeah. yeah. um, I, I had everything going for me. I was in one of the top law firms in Africa mm. and I was working with, I worked with two of the managing partners. They obviously thought that I had some potential. <laughs> mm. Unfortunately, I proved to be a bit of a disappointment because one of the secretaries said, I knew within two weeks that you weren't going to be a lawyer. So, <laughs> but because it's just not my vibe. I wanted to be doing deals. I wanted to be talking to people. I did not want to be the guy in the back drawing up contracts and billing right. time because I don't, I, I want to add value, but I don't want to just sell time because to me, mm. I can't scale myself as a human being. So right. it, if all that I cared about was money, I would have just said, let's just be a lawyer. But there was just something like really deep within mm. inside of me that said, this is just not the life for me. And right. the journey has been super challenging. And that's why even at 39, I feel like I've had the experiences of someone, someone who's maybe like 49 because mm. there's like a lot of struggle. And again, I'm very blessed in the sense I've had a partner who's been very financially stable. I've had a lot of things you know, uh, that have worked out for me in the end. But it's on a personal level, like the career side has just been really challenging. And so um, spending my focus now uh, in Bitcoin, a lot of my time has been very rewarding uh, just on a personal level, because once you do something that you're passionate about, it doesn't feel like a job. Yep, 100%. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> So, so you said you found Bitcoin like around 2020 and mm -hmm. it was through this route. And was there at any point, like at that, at that part of your journey that you looked at other coins? <laughs> well, you know, what's really fortunate is by virtue of the fact that I came in late, I've, I, I, um, I was able to draw on some of the brightest minds in the space who already had kind of advised Mm. You know, that Bitcoin was the signal, everything else is noise. And one of the fortunate things about being like a nerd who studied a lot and did you know, two or three degrees, you kind of learn to develop a framework for tackling new stuff. So I've worked in mm. law, real estate, software. I've worked in these different sectors and, and each time was like new. And so I had to create like a framework. Then I had to sort of figure out what's authoritative and what's not. And by and, and what I would do is I'd listen to a person's A's view and then I'd listen to person B and C and then I'd triangulate mm. them and say, all right, what is actually here? And so that's that's how I built my Bitcoin thesis really. Yep. And shitcoins didn't even feature. And you know, that's the great that was the great that news. Nice. I, I yeah. didn't even didn't even contemplate it because it was very obvious for me that this was money. This was like digital gold it was like investing in the internet you know in mm. the mid 90s um it's a network a protocol so there's all these things i was like yeah this other stuff i don't it it looked pretty obvious to me just with a lawyer brain was just like mm. okay there's a guy in like a clown suit dancing on a stage um you know attending events how is he not part of management okay it's a company mm. that's fine I'm not interested in investing in some speculative tech company that I don't understand mm. what they're doing. I'm interested in this protocol where the guy just creates this thing and 
disappears and we don't even know what who he is and what the hell's happened. So yep. I managed to steer clear of that um, initially. And I, I say initially because because I was green, you, you sort of go down this journey. And from, I think, when I first bought Bitcoin, it was probably like, I think it was about 11,000 US, okay. um, yeah. 15 Aussie or something. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in, in hindsight, I was just gone smashed by everything. But then, you know, anyway, as, as things transpired towards the end of the year, um, it started ramping up. And then the next, and then it sort of peaked, I think, in April 21. And then it sort of came, it blew off the top. And then it started ramping up again. And then the sort of greedy mindset of mine, because you've got that sort of fear and greed tugging you in the investment world. The greed within me was like, all right, I've seen what's happened with these altcoins. And what they've tended to do is run faster. I mm. think the term, the official you know, finance term would be uh, they've got a higher beta. So they just tend to have like a lot more variation in the, in the range of outcomes. So they tend to be much more volatile. So they get smashed harder in the, in, the, in the bear markets and they really run harder in the bull markets. So my thinking at the time was, why not just load up on a little bit of this, not a lot, and then switch over to, to buy more Bitcoin? Well, famous last words, you know, everyone thinks they're smart and I too did, but I certainly wasn't because that was, I think I did that in August of 21. I, rec- I bought a little bit of ETH and a few complete shit coins. And the only reason why I knew them was because I was working at a publication at the time, mm. which you can get into shortly. But I had seen all this momentum when it with regards to these other tokens, like one was called Chili's, which is like the base layer for sports tokens and all that. Okay, so I was like, everyone's going, you know, apeshit on that. So let's mm. let's just have a little slice of that. Well, four months later, they were all down. I had no conviction in them. I was like, what am I doing here? Mm. I got I got rid of them <laughs> in a state of fury. And I haven't looked back since. So I never had any conviction. I can't say I was tricked. I knew exactly what I was doing. I was just greedy and stupid. Yep. So because you you did go down this financial planning route and then you, then you found Bitcoin. And at some stage, oh, you found, uh, yeah, you found Bitcoin. But at the same time, then when you go down Bitcoin, you'd be like, oh, there's like all these other coins. So I need to diversify, right? Not really. Not a, that is how I mean, a lot of people would think. And, and yeah, I think, you know, yeah. oh, let's buy a basket of that. And then all the yeah. casinos, um, all those crypto casinos, what they'll do is they'll be like, you know, don't worry about going to the trouble of trying to pick um, 10 or mm. 20. We've done it. We've done all the work, guys. Just mm. buy this particular basket and, you know, give us 100 bucks and we'll give you a yep. market weight uh, or market cap weighted um, allocation. And so... Mm. Yeah, again, fortunately, I'm, I, I, none of that was appealing because I was like, I, you know, that's not interesting to me. But that is a very typical financial yep. mindset, of course, that diversification. But, I, you know, what we would call that in Bitcoin and elsewhere is diversification. You actually are just, mm. you're swapping out your winners for losers. And it's just, it's an utterly pointless exercise. If you don't know, if you don't know why you're investing in something, you shouldn't invest in it. That's, I guess, the point. It's like, and, uh, and there was no good reason for me to actually invest in these other things and, and hold them. They and we, and we can distinguish here between investing and trading. 
because mm. they're very different. Right. A trader's mindset is just about generating profits and they might have mm -hmm. a short-term or a longer-term horizon. And it's like, I don't know, whatever that might be for them. It could be right. intraday trading. You, I mean, I've had a friend who's done that up to, you know, three, four, five, six months. For me, like I'm an investor because I don't try and pretend to time the market. I'd rather just say the, and this is Warren Buffett. And so I don't dismiss everything that old bugger says. He's got some really great, uh, yes. axioms and like one of them is just time in the market not timing mm. the market and so uh, and that's why we say dollar cost average bitcoin because you, yep. you don't want to try and time the bottom you'd rather just want to smooth out the volatility so mm. um yeah so similarly like for me it was just a case of just building up uh, a portfolio uh, and whatever it was like i still had um, a fair bit of equity and, and that sort of stuff but there was no intention there to oh i'm up like five grand let me just offload that profit i i don't i don't understand to me the profit taking exercise because that's trading and statistically i've looked into this it's you've probably it's like 98 or 99 percent of people actually lose over any sustainable yep. period of time maybe you win like one or two times but yeah yep. so i think that's the key distinction but i think unfortunately when you look at these big fund managers and then look at the whole crypto ecosystem of 30,000 plus tokens, there is mm. somehow this complete, this idea that you need to diversify into yeah. them. And it's like, it just doesn't make sense because Bitcoin just stands completely alone. It's like, I'm investing in equities and then I'm investing in companies. Like, mm. uh, in, in equities and then I'm investing in gold. Like, it, to yeah, me, yeah. they're so different. I don't understand why people think like that, but it's it. Yeah, 100%. And... Uh... You know hats, I think. Yeah, you've met yeah. hats before. Yeah. So and hats said, I think hats did some work or he did some research. He put something together where it's like, does timing the market actually work? And like he backdated, like, oh, like people would, because you would assume or, or someone that's timing the market would buy the dip per se, mm -hmm. but then it dips further. Mm -hmm. So does timing the market actually work, or does DCA work on a longer scale? And then he found out DCAing, uh, DCAing actually beats timing the market. And that's probably, that's not surprising. Yeah. It's absolutely not surprising because the market is very hard to understand. And there are so many different variables that are just for us as human beings to try and comprehend and predict where the exact top is, where the exact bottom is, is going to be hard. You could argue, if you like, that with stuff like, Glassnode Analytics, which has a little bit, which which gives you a lot more insight to actually some of the patterns. So you can see a little bit of the holder activity, who are the new entrants, who's selling, who's taking profits, who's taking mm. losses, those type of things. That is, I guess, we haven't had that degree of transparency in markets, at least with equities. You know, if you think of share markets, you're not necessarily, you don't know who's who's doing well and who's doing badly. But still. Uh, if, if you just think psychologically, what, what's going to, A, what works, and Hats has shown it, uh, you know, as you said, um, and B, like what's easier? Like what are you going to deal with better? What's mm. more sustainable? Do you really want to be sitting there trying to figure this thing out? And it creates a huge amount of stress and uncertainty, yes. whereas dollar cost averaging is just so simple. Um, it's an absolute no-brainer. But again, you need to experience I've, I've just found that when it comes to investing, unfortunately, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done, I've taken leverage. I've done all these types of things and I've lost some Bitcoin because I was greedy. 
Um, and there are no easy lessons in this game. Uh, there are only hard lessons and they mm. have to hit you hard. It's like getting punched in the face. And then you go, okay, can I take something away from this and then make sure I don't do this again? Because um, I heard all of the stuff, dollar cost average, don't trade. But you know what happened? Like when Bitcoin was, I think it was around 50, everyone was going 100K, 100K, 100K all day. And so what did I do? I went and stuck a little bit of Bitcoin on BlockFi and went long. Well, it didn't last. I had an opportunity to take some profit, but no, why would I? It's going to 100K, I thought. And then I wrote it down. And then I was like, I got diamond hands, boy. I'm not leaving. And then it went up to the new all-time high in November. And I had another opportunity. And I was like, no, I'm not selling. I've got diamond hands. Uh, this is a good trade. Well, that didn't work out. And so eventually I just closed out and said, I didn't get margin call, but I just said, this is just not a game I want to play. Yep. It was stressful. I hated it. I was, I was looking at the price like all the time, like mm. you know, 10, 20 times a day. Um, happy when it was up, sad when it was down. Like, oh God, no, it's just not fun. So now truly like, you know, I don't really care what the price is. I don't look at the price. Obviously number go up is powerful. But there's yep. so many other metrics that I tend to uh, take a lot more comfort from, like hash rate going up and hitting new all-time highs constantly. So mm. that's a lot more encouraging. So it, again, I've had to make all the lessons uh, or had to and learn I, all the lessons and they suck. I mean, but this is life. Now I'm just thinking from a listener's perspective and someone that doesn't know what DCA is, would you be able to break that down for them a bit? No problem. So... The idea behind DCA or dollar cost averaging is really that when you've got a volatile asset like Bitcoin, which is far more, it's about twice as volatile as the NASDAQ, which is the index that tracks a lot of the technology stocks in the US. And technology stocks tend to be more volatile than, you know, Coca-Cola, which is a little bit more stable, like a consumer company. Um and now Bitcoin is twice as volatile as the tech stocks, the Googles, the Facebooks, and the Amazons. Now, going to the point earlier about, well, how do I know that I'm not overpaying? What a lot of people have tried to do is just time it by buying a dip. What mm. dollar cost averaging says is to smooth out the volatility and to get a better return over time, not only also just to, for your own mental sanity, it is mm. better for you to just buy little chunks at set intervals it can be daily it could be weekly it could be monthly and put aside a set of money that you're prepared to invest into this asset and you just ride it throughout and so what that has tended to do when i've looked at dollar cost averaging uh, calculators you can actually figure out well over time you tend to outperform those who are trying to make big allocations at different times so that they can try and maximize profits um, you know, an, an interesting example to illustrate how powerful DCA is, is, and I heard this and people, you know, someone might just want to fact check me on this, but as of about a month ago, I think when Bitcoin was around 30K, if you had just dollar cost averaged every week since the top all the way across, you would be 17% up. And that is what's quite powerful about it. And you're going like, this is a bear market and you're dollar cost averaging throughout. And 
it just speaks to, you know, what, what if you were the guy who bought at 69 and you bought a hundred grand's worth, you're, mm. you're, you're underwater. You're like 50 to 60% underwater today. And you're thinking to yep. yourself, God, this is hard. Whereas the person who just said, all right, maybe I've got a hundred grand to deploy, but mm. I'm not going to just smash by a hundred grand because this thing is so volatile. I don't know if it's going to go down. I don't know if it's going to go up. I'm rather going to sacrifice some of the downside, sacrifice some of the upside and rather just smooth it out. And right. that's mm. sort of what DCA is about. And I, it's really powerful. I practice it. You guys, um, or I know Amber does. And I think every responsible Bitcoin yeah. um, exchange does. It's only the casinos that want you to smash. Don't, don't, yeah, don't encourage that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Amber, something that I, I mean, something that I recently tested and I was really impressed is the automations. Because I was like, I'm like, if I have excess cash, it's DCAing because it's like I get paid uh, biweekly or uh, fortnightly, sorry. I get mm -hmm. paid fortnightly and then I am then I have some excess cash, I buy. So then that's that keeps going on, right? Like, so that's my DCAing into Bitcoin. But then, like, I know we have these automation that every time there's like, it dips, I could set it up like, oh, so if Bitcoin dips 10%, it is going to buy. Ten dollars worth, or something like that. You set it up. Mm. What's more comfortable to you, right? It's like, okay, okay, I'll give this a shot and see how that goes, which is an interesting idea as well. Or it could be yeah. like, uh, and there's like some random ones in there as well, right? Like, oh, if Sailor mentions Bitcoin, then you buy ten dollars worth, or something like that. It's just, totally. like, just another fun way of like DCAing. Totally, I, I really like that because you yeah. know, if if you've got conviction, which most hardcore Bitcoiners do, then whenever it drops dramatically, it's actually an opportunity to stack more. You get more yeah. sats for your dollar. So mm -hmm. that's a great feature to have within an app. Uh, yeah. For the average person, you might say, the average person hasn't got deep conviction, and I'd say mm -hmm. 100 hours worth of work, I yep. would say they're probably not going to be as attracted to that. But for those who've done the work, it's a great tool uh, because... Yeah. Man, I, I'd be smash like buying. And that's the equivalent of smash buying, frankly. Um, yes. Because again, you, you're saying when it triggers, it's almost like, um, and I don't know the maker taker side of things and how that all works, but mm. it's almost like you're just putting in a buy order for 20% below whatever it's trading. So that, the, yes. so, and I think that's what happens with Amber. So then yeah. whether it's 10 or 20%, so it just goes boom. And you just need to have that that fiat sitting in your account so that it can just yep. boom smash by that yes yes exactly yeah no i love that man yeah yeah something else you mentioned earlier and sort of glossed over it was a metric that you look at is hash rate again for the for a listener like well, what sort of significance does that have and wh what is hash rate like how does one look at that metric so I'm not a technical person, so I, uh, maybe that makes me better place to explain things sometimes because uh, <laughs> I'm just I've got yeah. I've got a different type of brain to an engineer. They think differently to me, but the way that I look at hash rate is it's the amount of computing power that's protecting the Bitcoin network. So mm. miners around the world are all competing in order to be able to mine the next block, and the more energy that they are plowing into the network in order to compete to win that block the more protected the network is. And so to me, it is a symbol of the uh, impenetrability of Bitcoin. If somebody wanted to try and hack or attack or compromise or take over the attack or take over the network, 
via what they call a 51% attack, where you basically have 51% of the computing power that actually protects the network, which could compromise the 21 million. It is becoming increasingly harder by the month. And we're just seeing mm. that. And what's really breathtaking to me is how this is happening during the bear market. So mm. it, it almost says to me that there's enough people out there that have so much conviction that they're plowing tons and tons of resources to get Bitcoin on sale, as it were. Because it's basically, I think, I don't know what it is down now. I think it's like 55, 60%. Yep. But they're, they're chowing, like they're putting a ton of energy, literal you know, physical energy with the opportunity to actually potentially win a Bitcoin, as it were. And so, yeah, or 6.25, actually, yep. to be more accurate. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's simply just a measure of the strength of the network, and it keeps getting more and more powerful. And then you contrast that with, and I'll use Solana as a good example. This is a network that is so fragile that has so has had i think five to ten outages where it literally is just offline yeah with bitcoin it's just like it is just it has been online i think it's got 99.998 percent uptime it is an incredibly powerful robust network and Hash rate, although separate to that, is also just it symbolic symbolizes the strength of the overall network. So these mm. are the types of things that I think about. Um yep, 100 percent More so than the price and um that sort of thing. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Now you did briefly mention the publications that you uh, that you worked on. You wanna yeah, talk more about yeah. That? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, mentally scarred. I've fortunately overcome all of that stuff. So once you've figured out Bitcoin, you look at it and you say, I want to work in this space. Mm. And it's not easy because it's like saying, I want to work for gold. It's not, you know, who do you speak to? You can go work for a gold mining company. So you can try to work mm. for a Bitcoin miner. Um. But there's no marketing team, there's no CEO. Like you've got it's there's it's really hard to just get going and working in the space. And but I was just really trying to figure out how to do this, mm. particularly since I didn't have a lot of the skills that may have been useful, like um, you know writing software as an example. Um, so I've always been fortunate enough that I've been able to write well, communicate pretty effectively, and and so. I, I thought, well, I'm, I just applied for all sorts of jobs because I was at a point now uh, sitting there in northern New South Wales and, you know, I was studying part-time, but at the same time, I just wanted to earn some income and, you know, COVID was happening and I was at a point where it's was like, well, I'm not going to go back into, re I'm not going to work in residential property doing like that kind of stuff and I'm not going to, I don't mm. want to work in a coffee shop. So what am I going to do? So applied to a bunch of things, all sorts of different interesting things, financial services companies and that sort of thing. And then I remember on a road trip, I was um, up in Ely Beach and I get this um, email and it's like, hey, Dale, do you want to have an interview? And I'm like, what is this? And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, yes. I applied for this particular role at a, at a crypto publication. Okay. So okay. I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. Yeah. Okay. So I have this little interview and within a couple of days, I said, oh, sorry, man. You know, it, just, it was for them. It was a managing editor role. And they said, oh, no, listen, sorry. Yeah, we were just someone who's got experience. But you know what? Like, we'd like to bring you on board as a writer. So I was like, oh, shoot. So I thought, okay, well, this is an opportunity for me to write Bitcoin stories. And that's cool. A little bit of income. 
within two weeks, unfortunately, the, the guy who was hired as managing editor wasn't great on tech, uh, struggled with WordPress backend stuff. So I, I sort right. of, he, they said, hey, you know, do you want to take over the role? I said, yeah, sure. So my job then was to essentially curate the news each day. Uh, I would go through, uh, and the site was initially, it, it literally was just a site aggregator. And they, I would go through all of this other content online. I'd pick the six best stories, I'd distribute it amongst the, the group. I'd create the imagery, and then I would actually uh, write an article myself. And I typically wrote about Bitcoin only, uh, as much as I possibly could. And during that process, I got to see a lot around how crypto works. Of course, the way that the company was actually being financed was not necessarily, it's not Bitcoin companies, um, it's all through crypto right. companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was sort of round one of my experience. And that was then purchased, that business was purchased by one of Australia's leading casinos um and i fortunately managed to jump ship in time because they've done pretty much nothing with it since i then fortunately like i had someone reach out to me via linkedin and said would you be interested in joining australia's first uh, web3 publication so unfortunately i was i was not in a strong position so i said let's talk so had a chat and i thought i made it perfectly clear from the outset that listen i'm a bitcoiner there might be like some marginal utility in something like but 99.9 percent of it is not gonna last it just doesn't seem to work for me but Anyway, I got the gig again as a managing editor. So this was a Nine News publication. Um, so Nine News decided in okay. November 2021. Yes. Was it 2021? Yes. That this was the time to now go big on Web3. So that was, again, the the top of the market, the false top that uh, FTX helped orchestrate. So, uh, yeah, so I, I started there and... That's where I just was like, it was just unbelievable. Okay, so firstly, you're getting sponsorships from tokens, just to put a banner out. So I, I've, I've explained this to other people, but I'll, I'll sort of outline the business model. You make money in a number, a couple different ways. The one is through page posts. So somebody just says like, hey, can you write an article about this? Um, you've got to make it, you've got to disguise it as news, but it's actually just a promo. So they'll give you all mm-hmm. the wording the PR statement, and you've got to kind of reword it to make it look like news, okay? So you get paid. That's a, that's one revenue stream. The other one is like affiliate links. People, you just, people have, you know, imagine if Amber was involved in Web3, which I know they've never do, <laughs> but if you had like a, a, a an Amber logo there, someone clicks on it, opens an account, starts trading, uh, that there's kickbacks then to the, right. the publication. And then the other one is like banner ads, which you pay and they'll sort of, okay, this banner ad is going to show every 10 seconds and right. blah, blah, blah. And this is what you're paying. So that was kind of the, that's the revenue model. Mm-hmm. And so what you realize is again, Bitcoin, unless you're a Bitcoin company, there's no like, there's no marketing dollars behind Bitcoin. Uh, mm. the, the Bitcoin's marketers are Bitcoiners, really. And so, so what I found was just this absolute sea of grifters and losers and degenerates and gamblers and people who are just rent seekers, not people who want to contribute positively to humanity, 
people who are just playing Mickey Mouse games. And ultimately, what I figured out like was how much I had such a disdain for crypto because crypto is a zero-sum game. I figured out how the whole game works. It's basically like you've got all these venture capital firms, the Andreessen Horowitz of the world, and all sorts of others, a lot of them in Silicon Valley, who effectively... They will go and fund a project and they will say, all right, well, we're going to buy, get 60% um, a initial, to- we'll get 60% of the initial token supply. And that is init- that is worth point, you know, it says 10 cents. They will then go and launch the token on a platform. The platform actually has to pay to have that um, on there. So there's, okay. there's that additional revenue. Then once it's launched, those initial early insiders simply offload it to the retail investors. And sometimes there's a lockup, but most of the time there isn't. In other words, Mm. usually with venture capital, you've got to put your money in. It's quite speculative. And maybe in five to 10 years, you can get your money out. And, you know, if you invest 10 in 10 things, maybe you'll have one home run, five complete dogs and four just, you know, just tick along and maybe break even. So, something to that effect. Whereas in crypto, it was just completely different because here you actually could, as Corey Clipson says, create your own weather because you also were in there with all the publications. So you could actually go and ha- use them to promote your token. So you're creating demand for this thing. So uh, there's the marketing angle. And then you also have short-time uh, exit liquidity. So you can just get out really quickly. And so the way I put it, and a lot of retail investors don't quite understand it, is Crypto uh, is essentially a game of insiders where they're selling unregistered securities, which are basically shares, company shares, without any disclosures. So typically in a company, if you wanted to go and, you know, if Coca-Cola wanted to issue new shares, they've got to make a bunch of disclosures around who owns what and what is the capital going to be used for and all these kinds of legal requirements. They make no disclosures. They can exit really quickly. And so the retail investor is effectively in crypto exit liquidity for venture capitalists. And what they do is they use buzzwords that have no meaning. They have no substance. They use terms like decentralization. Yeah, but like half of ETH runs on Microsoft and Amazon web servers. Okay, that's not decentralized. You, you need 32 ETH to run a node. That's not mm. decentralized. Like who can have, like who's got that wealth? So you've got that. They use terms like immutability. Well, we've how many times has ETH changed? You know, it's how many times has the rules changed? Um, they they talk about uh, they talk, they'll talk about like uh, you know Web three. Oh well, you know Web Web uh, one was like just viewing static web pages. Web two mm-hmm. was about you know uh, Facebook and all these applications. And now Web three is oh, own your own data. Again, it's all just words. And again, this might be incorrect, but I saw this yesterday, in fact, or two days ago. The term Web3, I think, was coined by Gavin Wood, of uh, who was originally with Ethereum, who then created Polkadot. Okay. So what you kind of begin to uncover that it's just words. These are not serious people who have any positive impact on the world. All they're doing is pumping their bags and they just use marketing terms to try and effectively pump their bags and then offload it on retail. And so there is there are so many grifters in Australia 
um, around mm-hmm. this space. It's breathtaking. And I had to go to like a crypto conference waving the flag and it was horrific. Like I didn't want to publish the interviews. I just, I did the interviews. I put them on our sort of shared drive and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this stuff because it's just, it's embarrassing. And I try to ask the hard questions and they've just got these lines that they just run. They just keep running the same lines, whatever the lines are. And they don't make sense. Um, so I've just found that I found crypto to be just some of the most horrific uh, uh, grifters on earth. And like, um, I, I'm not a good, if, if we were going to speak to government and try to explain the difference, I'm not a good person because I would, mm. I, I, I take it actually personally because I've actually had to have dinner with these people and okay. I've had to like spend time with them. And mm. it's the NFT bros. I mean, yep. there's so, it, it's, it's absolutely it's it's diabolical man and um uh yeah. it, it was so breathtakingly refreshing to get out of that eventually because it was soul destroying no no 100 percent, i get you because i worked in a crypto research company <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. so you've seen inside it yeah hey? yeah yeah and then i remember like uh I remember during the last bull cycle when everything was pumping, right? NFTs and blah, blah, blah. And I'm and just talking to random people at the, at the gym. And it's like, oh, so like these, some guys younger than me. And they're like, oh, I, I started investing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what are you investing? NFTs, bro. I just got NFTs. <laughs> like, okay. Like, they, I think you should just buy Bitcoin. It's like, no, 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 I don't buy any of that. That's like old tech. And you need to buy NFTs okay it's unfortunately yeah and it's i found that a lot of young people are uh, unfortunately fall prey to um the narratives and Mm. so there was this there's a bunch of correlations between crypto the work and youth culture which Mm. was really interesting to me and there's a huge amount of naivety that comes with it because you're just believing things. And I actually spoke recently with someone about that, uh, the fact that I think feel like a lot of the um, young people are just historically illiterate. They don't, they, they haven't mm. figured out like what's actually happened in history. Like we're, we're, we're yep. just doing the same thing that we did ages and ages ago. It's just in a different form. And we've seen this movie play out and it will play out again. And so yep. They were very much also just like it's highly political, super political, mm. you know, um, orange man, bad, this person, good. And you're like, there's no yeah. good guys. Okay. They all do the same mm. stuff. So it was very, it was very challenging, but I'll tell you a funny story, which I've shared on a, on a pod before, but it, it's, um, your listeners might enjoy this. So, you know, I, I kept on trying to push a Bitcoin agenda, obviously every mm. day. And it was really quite, I mean, just swimming against the tide. And so FTX happens. And so, I think to myself, this is a great opportunity to say, hey, you know, is this maybe the time that we want to pivot and, and say, this is actually what matters? Like, I, I, I've done the work, like, I've spent thousands of hours uh, into this. Uh, I think this is an opportunity to differentiate ourselves um, from all these other publications who have been in there for far longer than we have. So I said, all right, I'm going to do a presentation. So I did a presentation and the CEO was there. Um, and, uh, I start going through and I'm saying like, when we talk about decentralization, what are we talking about? Are we talking about like how many investors there are? I mean, that's not relevant. I mean, Coca-Cola has a lot of investors. That's not decentralized. Mm. Um, uh, what are we, are we talking about nodes? Like, um, can you run mm. it on your computer? Because I can run one at home with $250 mm. worth of hardware. You know, if you want to run a node with ETH, it's 32 ETH. Like, is, does that matter? 
And why do we even care about decentralization? Like it's it's all very well talking about it, but why do, why is it relevant? Can anyone explain that to me? And I start going through all this stuff because I'm going, everyone I saw, everything that I've seen happen over the last little while, Luna, um, Celsius, FTX, everything was foreseen by Bitcoiners. And I was like, and I'm not I'm not going to say I was smart enough to see that. Like there's people like Corey Clipson who just call BS and this stuff all day long. And so I said, Corey, I've been following Corey forever and he's been calling this forever. So are we going to be serious about this? And eventually, like the guy's like, hold on, sorry. Um, is this, it sounds like you're trying to sell me Bitcoin. This is about trying to workshop headlines. Like what's going on here? And I'm like, mm. okay, I see. Okay, so we don't care about the truth. The truth is irrelevant. I've got it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's just words. We're selling eyeballs. Nobody yeah. reads. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if it's true or false. It's all BS. And so, um, <laughs> so it was. It was disheartening, but it was also yeah. just like, a, okay, the, I, I really need to hustle to to get out of there. And the the, the best part about it all, man, was. My boss used to do PR for SBF, Sam Brankman-Fried. Oh, wow. And okay. her brain exploded when it turned out that he was everything that we thought he was, everything. Mm. It was just like she could not comprehend it. It was like, hold on. Um, I'm sure he just got over his skis. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. He just mm. spent billions of dollars of other people's money, millions of people's money. And he just was like, oh, a little bit irresponsible. So again, that's just cognitive dissonance. These people are just, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. And, and, and that's why I call them meth heads, uh, you know, ETH heads mm. or meth heads, because they just like, they can't see reality. And I was just mm -hmm. like, whew, uh, NGMI, not going to make it, man. <laughs> so there we go. That's my rant, dude, because oh, it, yeah. was, it, it was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So were you still working when you when your ceo found out about sbf like were you able to see a reaction like uh face to face oh yeah oh, but, okay. but but it didn't but like it was seen mm. as an opportunity to to like okay this is now the time we got to be we had to ramp up our news cycle so again the naivety of an organization mm. like nine who then through another organization had this publication mm. to think that Twitter crypto is like a you know it operates at um, Aussie hours, and that we can have an, a full time Aussie team, and that will be more than enough. To think that up front, if I was creating a uh, like a news business, you know, mm. if they, had, I mean, I'd been in the game for like a year, and if they had come to me and said that's the plan, I would said that's dumb. We need writers around the world who, as soon as something drops, like the second it drops, you go boom, we're gonna pounce. So anyway, long story short, we had this whole sort of traditional journalism model where we've got like four journalists or whatnot, each in their own, like I'm doing finance and you're doing, yeah. you know, gaming or whatever it was. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so so very quickly it was like, oh, no, 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 we need to ramp up. We need to ramp up. And mm. so it's like, oh, you got to work Saturdays. And like people are like, what? I don't want to work Saturdays. That's not the plan. Mm. So it was more seen as an opportunity to pounce uh, and you know and um you know try and like generate more interest uh, than anything else um it wasn't it wasn't seen as a moment of self-reflection i mean it certainly doesn't also 
it, and again, this this comes down to I think just people's innate biases. When you think about, like when I talk about the meth heads just being unable to see reality, um, the CEO is like so bullish on NFTs as an example, and he just couldn't see this, that it's just utter BS. It's just there's no reason to be putting this stuff on a blockchain, like, it, and it's not immutable, buddy, because uh, they can change rules. So, um, but it was just like unfortunately, the truth is so secondary. It's just. It's like I, I don't I don't know how to better explain it that there's just no commitment to reality. Anything that generates a click is sufficient, even if no one reads it. Like I wrote stuff, man, that I thought was really good. Uh, if I don't say so myself, because I put a lot of effort into it, and I like thought, "Geez, I've made some good points here." I tried to also yeah. like raise the alarm on CBDCs. Okay, mm. and you know, try be anti-authoritarian in a work publication. That's that's like swimming upstream, but I got that mm. through. Um, and nobody reads. <laughs> nobody reads. When you look at the article, the average read time of like some of my articles, it would say the article will take five, six minutes to read. The reality is that like people would look like look at it for 30 seconds. 30 seconds so people yeah. who are consuming this bubblegum crypto crap, um, they're basically like goldfish. They're people who read, and I, I'm like, I don't, and look, I understand everyone's time poor, and we all are in some way or another prone to clickbait and stuff like that. It's just the yep. way the game works. But the trick is to make the headline as intoxicatingly clicky as possible. Yep. And then whether they read it or not, secondary. Whether they want to come back to us or not is secondary. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter uh, because all we need is page views. Once we've got page views, we can sell that. So it's the old right. you know, adage: if 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 you if you're not paying for something, you're the product. And so with mm. Facebook, they're selling you ads. With this, they're right. selling your eyeballs. They're selling your eyeballs to advertisers who want you to play Web three games, which are funded by VCs who got in at five cents, and today the token's at fifty, and they just they've had a five thousand percent ride, and you're just a yeah. chump hoping for twenty percent, and you're probably mm. going to get rugged. So. That's what makes the whole game game such Mm. garbage. And so that's why every one of the crypto publications are deeply compromised, unfortunately, because if you're not paying for your media, it Mm. just means that you need advertisers. And unfortunately, just the way that the the whole space is created is those in the space who have the deepest pockets are the ones funded by VCs. Most of the VC capital goes to the other cryptos, that's just because they can yep. make more money on it. They're not yep. going to make money with Bitcoin. Something that's mm. more sustainable and that has got longevity. They'd rather just see quick returns. Mm. And so it doesn't matter which one you're talking about. Coindesk, Cointelegraph, The Block, whatever it is. But you I- can read it for free, which means that there's people behind the scenes curating content so that they push you through a funnel to get mm. you to do what they want. And they'll write content that looks like news, but it's not. It's just paid for. Um, mm. And I see it everywhere. Um, and once you've worked in media, you right. you realize it's you know show me show me the incentives, show me the outcome. You can just yep. see nobody's paying for media. So then you go, well, I know that basically there's a corporate agenda here, and mm. it's not truth. Truth is irrelevant. So again, right. with us Bitcoiners, we care about the truth. So it makes it it makes it really hard to work in media and. Yep. Honestly, man, like, um, like on a personal level, I took a lot of strain because firstly, it just was so deeply in conflict with my values, even though yes. it was tangential to Bitcoin, 
Um, I just, it was just so like, I can't deal with this. Yep. Secondly, like I found the culture and the people insufferable, just the work culture just mm. shoved in my throat 24 seven. Um, the, uh, sitting on a desk all day, staring at a screen all day. I didn't mm. dig at all. I'm a people person. I like to talk. Um, and, and, and just the political stuff just couldn't handle it. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a very challenging time, but now, you know, truthfully, like where I am right now, I go, oh, I'm so blessed and really fortunate that this journey has happened because I've sort of come full circle. I'm, I'm out. I've, I've got a fiat job that I, that I enjoy. I meet people, I talk to them, I get to do deals. I like negotiating and that sort of thing. And then I've got my own you know, podcast um, on yeah. the side, um, the Why Bitcoin Show, and I'm having the most fantastic conversations. And I've, I've basically, I've got my tribe, my Bitcoiners, um, and yeah, absolutely, I'm loving it. So the journey's been hard, but it's so worth it, man. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, just I mean, there's so much to unpack there, but. Uh, yeah, especially like I know I know what it was, uh, what it is working like in a toxic crypto environment because I yeah I had to deal with the same, and uh, yeah, and I, I get the point of like the politics involved and like the wokeism and then there's yeah, and yeah, looking back, I mean not looking back, like looking at what this company that I used to work at is doing current uh, currently is like the CEO is on instagram and he's like shooting like a day in the life of a crypto ceo or some some shit like that right <laughs> yeah, yeah and i mean yeah yeah it's pride month we gotta wave that flag <laughs> it, it, I, it's just the I, you know what the thing is yes i think what's happening here man is that uh i think bitcoiners have because of our adversarial thinking, because of our different thinking, we see things happening in advance. And I'm not saying we're oracles. That's and I'm not like it's not trying to say that we're like we we know everything. Like we who can know the future? But I feel that it's very obvious that the tide has shifted against political messaging in media and stuff. Like and people like are just becoming resistant to it. You know, and like I don't want to don't want to go too deep into the whole COVID stuff because that was obviously garbage. Mm. But, you know, the, you're thinking now that we're, we're, I think people are thinking more and questioning more today. And I'm talking normies even to an extent because it's been so, it's been pushed and shoved down your throat so badly that it's like people are starting to sort of wake up. Um, if you look at the, tw like Seven did a thing recently, um, you know, uh, Seven News here in Australia and they were like, some video and they just got ratio to hell. Like there wasn't mm. one good comments. And it's like people are starting to realize, like I I think in, in this publication I read for, they missed the boat. They thought that they were in the cultural ascendancy. They were like, right. we are the anointed. We know mm. what's right. You people are backward bigots and we can mm. assert our dominance over you. And what they've missed is that the, the tide has shifted because you were too aggressive in your agenda. You shoved it down people's throats. And now people are pushing back because every time you force the thing too hard one way, it's going to push back. The pendulum goes back. And they missed the pendulum. And so what, what myself and a colleague were trying to say is take the woke out of it, guys. Stop mm. with the political messaging. Stop with this 
Trump bashing, like it's like you're trying to signal to your tribe, like, hey mm. guys, we're on the same team. It's like no one you're telling half your readership, I'm not interested in you. Because the minute I see you talking up any candidate or down any candidate, I switch off because it tells right. me you've got some other agenda. So agenda. I yep. feel like that's building, but they've missed the boat. And that's why um that's why you're seeing these publications like Bice and BuzzFeed uh, yes. completely disappear you have cnn launch their own streaming content show and they had like ten thousand, ten thousand people who subscribed and they just canned it off to six weeks or something spent wow yeah. like tens of millions of dollars mm. you know i mean it's it's laughable it's laughable it's, it's it's quite conceivable that i will have more people listening to me than cnn did in the next two three years like that's that's how irrelevant they're becoming and that gives yeah. me so much hope that's why I, I love what we're doing because it's mm. not like I'm trying to push an agenda. I'm not trying to, and I'm not like beholden to any corporates. It's like right. I care yes. about truth, man. Um, and it's I'm, not about I'm, left versus right. And it's about like, it's about, and I kept saying this at the publication, I kept saying like, it's about people who want to control us from the top. Mm. And it's about people who just want to live free. It's top yep. versus bottom. Mm. And what they do is the people on the top try and divide us by trying to say, you know, oh, you guys, like, you hate these people and these people hate these people. And they're going, actually, like, you know, these are the guys up top, you know, it's the, you know, and, and it's the WEF. It's uh, it's all of these, these supranational mm. organizations that yep. effectively want to tell us plebs what to do with our lives. Sure. And to me, I'm going like, you know, you're losing, you know, you're losing because you keep mm. having to shove this message down. And the more you do, the more you lose. So I see nothing but but uh, good things ahead, but it's going to be rocky. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, one thing one thing that stuck out from there is like you mentioned, uh, I mean, the, there's Bitcoin and then there's these other shit coins and then, or, or there's utility there or there's some use case. So there's mainly there's money to be made by these VCs on these shit coins, right? And then going mm. down the uh, Bitcoin rabbit hole, you see like, that's sort of everywhere because if you could take it to the pharmaceutical industry there's yeah so there's like there there can be x cure or like i remember recently coming across like that garlic could have been used to for during yes. for the coronavirus and then like the people in charge of media or these uh, i can't remember what's his face but uh the guy who's like for the the victorian representative He's like, oh, dismissing that, yeah. Oh, is this Dan? Or no, Jim the doctor Dan? that was the, the yeah, the doctor that was alongside him and most of his. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So it's like there's no money to be made with like what's uh, cheaply manufactured or easily available for people to use, right? And even like how the system is set up current, uh, the pharmaceutical industry set up currently is like there's only money to be made when they're creating these new molecules that are going to be used as medicine. And then and then when you actually, when there's deeper research done on that molecule, they push it out as like, oh, it's going to cure your headache. But at the same time, mm. it's going to give, but they don't tell you at the same time, it's giving you a like upset stomach, for example. No. Yeah. yeah. No, and then, then they're going to create a new molecule, which is going to cure your stomach, but then it's doing yes. something else. Yeah. I mean, it's it sounds it sounds like, unfortunately, this stuff, 
made you feel like a bit crazy talking about this to people. And this is why I like to talk to Bitcoiners and people who I call awake. Uh, Because it's not about saying everything is bullshit. Okay. Everything you think you know is bullshit. It's about saying question everything because Mm. there's a corporate agenda behind everything. So, you know, you mentioned the pharmaceutical industry, 100% there. It's like, I watched a, actually watched a documentary last night called Grounding. And it's all about, or Earthing, sorry. So um, it's all about grounding. And it's about effectively how we've become so disconnected from our Mm. bodies and that we are just, we've we've got so many of our illnesses are linked to chronic inflammation. And the only, the best way for us to overcome chronic inflammation is like 30 to 60 minutes a day, barefoot on the grass. Simple stuff like that. But nobody's going to, nobody's going to um, make money from that. You know what I mean? That's the that's the thing. So there's there's ultimately like a pharmaceutical industry. Hold on, I think my wife is vacuuming. Let me just uh, let me just. Uh, nothing's coming through, but yeah, nothing's coming through. Okay, then I'm yeah. chilled. Um, yeah. Good. Okay, so yeah, but it's the pharmaceutical industry. Then we can talk about food. You know, you start mm. thinking about what what is what is in most of the food that we eat. Like I was like I like I love the taste of mayo. Okay, I, I, but what is mayo? And then you start looking mm. at what's in mayo, and you're like, this is not real food. And the seed oil story, and you can go down all these different routes. And you know, it's not about trying to be live this puritanical life, and everyone else is ignorant and stupid, and I'm enlightened. And I know about food and you know energy and pharmaceuticals mm. and you know money, Bitcoin. It, it, it's more just about like um, trying to help people understand, hey. Things are not always as they seem. In media, oh, the media is just a great one. Uh, yeah. And they just need to start asking the questions. And it, I think it starts with follow the money, follow the money. It's just the simplest uh, thing because yep. who stands to gain by pushing mm. this agenda? Um, you know, who stood to gain by telling the entire world that we have to lock down and take this jab? Um, that would have been the logical question. That's the first thing that I asked. And all the people that tried to ask questions at the beginning were told, shut up. You guys are conspiracy theorists. And Mm. that's just so antithetical to the pursuit of truth. If you care about truth, you'll go and figure it out. And if these guys are wrong, they're wrong. But let's talk about it. But it was forbidden. So this is what gives me hope again, because I honestly feel as if there's this movement that's just gaining momentum. Bitcoin is definitely part of it. And you want to call it maybe the move, the movement of uh, consciousness and mm. thoughtful awareness about like what's actually happening uh, in the world. And so, yeah, it's, again, I, I look at people on the outside and many of them are so discouraged. They look at things and life's expensive. There's a war in Ukraine. Oh, Donald Trump might get in. Mm. And I'm just like, you know, to me, that's all like short-term noise. I yep. honestly just look forward into the future because I'm just seeing this this tide shifting where people are starting to realize like the media, the company, the companies that control the media have been disintermediated through social media. Literally, yep. they they like you and I have our own platforms where we can yes. engage with people and they can then figure out for themselves if it actually if what we're saying is true or not. And that's 100%. powerful. Yep. And that, I love that, man. So, yeah. you know, and, and that's just a small, like, I'm, I'm a nobody, really. So, mm. and, and you think of how everyone has access to these tools. Yep. Like, I don't need to know 
about what Nine News thinks about some protest outside NAB about their climate investment policies, I'll just go into Twitter because there's some dude there who's filming the thing and checking it out. And then, you know what I mean? Like, it's all so media is like kind of becoming irrelevant. I think the Mm. food stuff is becoming more and more apparent. Yep. And Mm. it's, you know, I still see people driving their cars alone with a mask, you know, or cycling outdoors with a mask. And I think, oh, okay. Uh, you know, you, you you definitely are not, you definitely have been drinking the Kool Aid, mm. but I try to be empathetic, uh, not because I've been sure. one of them, because I've always just I've always just thought differently. It's just the way I am. But yep. I know people, my family and close friends, who have had that mindset, and yep. I've, I've I've just managed to plant little seeds in them, and they can just run with it. Yeah, I mean, like, once you start going down, like, the Bitcoin rabbit hole, it takes you to, like, as you mentioned, like, food. Or it just opens, yeah, opens your mind to several other things. Or, like, who's controlling all of this? And and then you, st- I mean, at least personally for me, it's like, oh, I tend to swallow the black pill too much. And then mm. it's like, oh. And then I was chatting with Daz about this as well. And then he mentioned something interesting, which I forgot about. It's from the book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Dale Carnegie, the old, yeah. It's like- well, Wasn't that, got, um, sorry, Stephen Covey? Oh, it must have been Stephen Covey. You're right. Yes, you yes, know, sorry. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. You're right. And then, and it's, you got to focus on your circle of influence. Because if you're going to be thinking of this, that, and the other, and it's like actually not going to be, it's not going to be effective. Like you're not going to be effective there. Like you're not going to, you, you can't do anything about the WF directly, right? Like by thinking way too much of what they are, but you could possibly use whatever you know and tell people around you or it comes back to that circle of influence. Yeah. 150% yeah. man. Exactly. Focus on what you can change, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, to give you a sh- small example of that, I, uh, I've got one of my good mates in, in South Africa. He's um, he's an African chap, and I never mm. would have expected him to consider leaving. Like, um, so I grew up in the townships, and he's just been—I don't want to say a rags to riches story, but he's just done so incredibly well. I'm like so proud of the dude. We did our law articles together, and so he's got a really great job and lives in Johannesburg. Johannesburg is effectively dysfunctional. Like there are no mm. services. So I had a conversation with him last week about him basically putting in a borehole for his water um, so he can get his own mm. water. He's going off the grid with solar. He needs an inverter. He needs batteries. Um, him and the neighborhood are fixing potholes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so and, and he's got private security. Okay. So he's got cameras mm. everywhere. He's got a high fence, security guards, um, and then private health care. Mm. So he's... He's got the means to influence his outcome because if he looks at South Africa, he goes, this is hell. Like these people are stealing my money and they don't give me any value. So he's just, his attitude is like, you know what, let me just focus on what I can change. So a hundred percent, that is just such a good thing to think about just broadly speaking in your life. Because if you just focus on these things that are out of your hands, you'll probably end up just bitter and resentful yeah. and it will negatively impact you as well as the people you spend time with. Right, right. Now, again, another thing that we sort of glossed over was your podcast and uh, the Why Bitcoin Show. Is that? Yes. The Why Bitcoin Show, yeah. So, yeah, how did that come out to be? What's the, like, what can people expect from that when they're going to the show? 
Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is, like, I've, I've I've considered changing the name because I didn't even bother um, researching. Hey, is there someone who's got a show called Why Bitcoin? <laughs> I mean, that's just so, so amateur. But anyway, I'm sticking with it, and hopefully, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be found. But um, the I thought about it, and I said, okay, there's something like. Okay, first I'll tell you the beginning. I've always wanted to talk more than write because writing's time consuming, um, and I love just communicating and and um, engaging with people. I've always been a chatter, uh, and so I thought I wanted to do this, but I honestly didn't know if I had anything valuable to say. And attended the Bitcoin Bush Bash uh, in uh, Beechworth. And okay. met up with uh, Jake Woodhouse, and he was. I, I I obviously had known about him, and um, he was sort of just one year into his podcast, and he delivered a presentation that said, "Oh, you know, my goal here is to inspire one person to create a podcast." Mm. So we had a couple of drinks afterwards, and you know, I said, "Look, I've thought about it a long time, but I just don't know what to say. Like, that's the main thing. Like, what's unique?" Right. And the interesting thing with podcasts from what I've researched is that, you know, there's like 5 million different podcasts, but more than 80% of them don't do more than 10 episodes. And so wow. it's really like, um, it's like playing five-day test cricket, you know. Most mm. people are just not cut out to do the same thing over and over again. So Jake kind of um, said, all right, uh, I suggest you do it. So I, I sort of walked away kind of mm, self with a bit of self-doubt, not sure what I'd do. And then we... I got back to Brisbane and then we just, uh, we started chatting again and he's like, listen, mate, here's a challenge. I want to see this thing live in 30 days and let's, mm. we can just talk and I'm here and available. And so he kind of just pushed me and he's like, go oh, that's for awesome. it. Yeah. And so like, I must always just, I will always give so much credit to him for just kicking me in the ass and saying, just do it boy. Like just stop with the self doubt and just go. Don't worry about perfection. Mm. And so I, I, it suddenly dawned on me that actually what I can bring to this community is to try and not just speak to Bitcoiners because there's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts and there's so many people that are so much smarter and more experienced than me. Yeah, I look at Lynn Alden and Preston Pish and Sailor and Foss and like all these smart people. It's like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be talking macro and stuff like that, like to their level, right? So what can I do? And I thought, well, one thing I can do is talk about my experience. I'm, I'm a Bitcoiner who's had uh, a unique experience into the world of shitcoins uh, and shitcoin publications. And if I can try and become like a bridge between the world of Bitcoin, which can be very uh, difficult to grasp. Um, mm. And, you know, let's be fair, quite niche, right? I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to just find a normie hop onto a Bitcoin podcast and go, oh, this is the dream. Um, it's it's not obvious initially. So I wanted to form that bridge. And so the, the premise of the show is why Bitcoin? Why are people uh, spending their time and energy and resources and why they're investing and allocating heavily to Bitcoin? But more importantly, why have they chosen Bitcoin over any other crypto? And that's mm. where in every podcast, I try and touch onto that on that issue and the ratio i i, I tend to find is like s sort of 70 to 80 percent bitcoin talk because I, I want it to be positive yeah. jake advised me like don't just talk shit about crypto all day every day because it's just it's going to just eat your head and like promote something that you love rather than mm. you know crap on something you hate so but at the same time i've got like this 20 percent of the show where i talk about how 
the guest has experienced crypto and also what makes it different. And what's really interesting, just in the short space that I've been running the show, I think I'm on six or seven now, is that nice. people, and so I, I, it suddenly dawned on me that actually what I can bring to this community is to try and not just speak to Bitcoiners because there's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts and there's so many people that are so much smarter and more experienced than me. I look at Lynn Alden and Preston Pish and Sailor and Foss and all these smart people. It's like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be talking macro and stuff like that, like to their level, right? So what can I do? And I thought, well, one thing I can do is talk about my experience. I'm, I'm a Bitcoiner who's had uh, a unique experience into the world of shitcoins uh, and shitcoin publications. And if I can try and become like a bridge between the world of Bitcoin, which can be very uh, difficult to grasp. Um, and, you know, let's be fair, quite niche, right? I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to just find a normie hop onto a, a Bitcoin podcast and go, oh, this is the dream. Um, it's it's not obvious initially. So I wanted to form that bridge. And so the, the premise of the show is why Bitcoin? Why are people uh, spending their time and energy and resources and why they're investing and allocating heavily to Bitcoin? But more importantly, why have they chosen Bitcoin over any other crypto? And that's mm. where... In every podcast, I, I try and touch onto that on that issue, and the ratio I, I, I tend to find is like s sort of seventy to eighty percent Bitcoin talk because I want it to be positive. Yeah. Jake advised me like, don't just talk shit about crypto all day every day because it's just it's going to just eat your head and like promote something that you love rather than mm. you know crap on something you hate. So, but at the same time, I've got like this twenty percent of the show where I talk about how the guest has experienced crypto and also what makes it different. And what's really interesting just in the short space that I've been running the show, I think I'm on six or seven now, is that nice. people, people, almost everyone has dabbled in shitcoins, to be fair. Okay. Mm. I mean, that's the first thing, like even the purest uh, Bitcoiner today. The, the other thing is everyone's got a unique sort of take on it. Some people are just like, it's not interesting me. It's interesting. Others are going, it's immoral. Others would say, those are companies and I can't assess their value. And that's what's so interesting to me about it. So everyone's got a different take. And so the goal for me, I think, is to say, how do I bring new people into the space to help them understand why people like you and me are basically putting our life force into this thing yep. and not getting paid <laughs> because it's what we love, absolutely love. And mm. uh, why aren't we dabbling in this other stuff? So that's the that's yeah. the show, the Why Bitcoin show, and um, awesome. it's really cool. I've 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 um I've just been given a new lease on life, and uh, the best right. part about it is I've been trying to orange pull my wife for three years, and uh, after episode three, she came in through the door, and uh, she said, um, "I'm a Bitcoiner now," <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> and yeah, it wasn't awesome. me. Yeah, yeah, so I was just yeah. so pumped, and so like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now that my wife's on my team, she's like, "All right, awesome. uh, I'm with yeah. you. Let's we, we're riding this boy." Yeah. yeah, and she's gonna come to the next bash. Are you go yes. are you going to the next bush bash? Yes, yes, yes. I'm, oh, I'm okay. going. Awesome. Um, we've actually decided we'll make it uh, like a family trip. So my my folks nice. are here from South Africa. So we'll we'll oh, wow. we'll all be coming. I don't think my folks will be coming to the presentations, but um, I think uh, my wife will certainly come and meet some yeah. of the the. Uh, 
all, all the all the, the names and, yeah yes the, the briskets of the world and yeah. uh, all of these anonymous <laughs> people who i've told her about um, from the local briskets meetup, and yeah. t-bones and all sorts yeah of <laughs> exactly i'll be like listen don't worry i don't know their names either but <laughs> there's some yeah. dude with a bucket head swala <laughs> yeah exactly old swala exactly no so <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been such a great ride, and I must say, yeah. I'm just so grateful for the whole community support. Um, yes, it, it's I, this is what keeps me going. I think this is it. I, mm. I did a we did funny enough last night. My wife and I we did this sort of. Um, she's like to do this vision planning and all that kind of thing, and mm. we were just mapping out sort of these two sides of us, and the one side is your sort of the 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 devil and the angel in you like when you do mm. um when you're feeling inspired uh, you sort of lean towards the good when you're feeling negative you lean towards the bad and right I, I was just saying like what what are the things that are making me feel so great at the moment it's just all the mm. support and, uh, that I've got from the community and we've just got such a phenomenal community of different 100%. people and in you know as a migrant I've been here five years now it's been hard to connect with people because you know, you just don't come from the same environment. Um, yep. You know, they're not it, Australians are different. Um, and yes, we speak the same language and all that kind of stuff. Play sports, but but what I have found is that people who are interested in Bitcoin and connecting Bitcoin, they have just so oh, they just I'm like they're just different humans, man. And I just feel like they're part of my broader family. And like, so I'm so bloody grateful. Yeah, eh? it's going so well. Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, hundred percent. And yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, looking forward to the next Push Bash, looking forward to meeting everyone again. And uh, yeah, because I did, yeah, I did remember actually at Miranda, you coming to me and you asking like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. But then yes. luckily, yes, lu- luckily Jake pushed you and now we have another show. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I, even that far back, I was thinking and yes, because you definitely inspired me too. And it's just it, it's it's just these little nudges along the way mm. that I can say people have given me, and it's really just the support. Because if anybody were to say, "Nah, that sounds a bit crap," uh, the mm. self doubt would creep in, and so 100%. it's just been fantastic. I mean, you were also very encouraging that day, and it's just like you know, all the support just cumulatively makes you feel like yes. a champion, like an absolute champion. So, yeah, it's. Um, I, I actually can't wait for the next the next meetup. It's going to be absolutely superb, and uh, uh, you know, besides seeing all the all the best people having the best steak, uh, I'm also looking forward to going snorkeling and heading to oh, the wow. Daintree Rainforest. So it's going to be yeah. a an epic nice. trip, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you plan on staying there longer than the trip? Um, yeah, yeah. I think we'll go up on okay. the Thursday and leave on the Tuesday, so we'll okay. have a little bit awesome. more time, and yeah. and yeah, that's just so that we can kind of make a little bit of a trip it's quite a quite a quite a, a journey although i'm probably closest a lot of people are flying from all parts of the country i don't know if um old pete Wynn is going to make the mission from uh, uh perth probably, and that sort of thing yeah yeah he probably might be there yeah given that <laughs> but it wouldn't perfect. surprise me yeah i mean it's perfect weather for his look <laughs> exactly exactly I, don't, I think i'll probably yeah i've never seen so much of pete actually yeah i don't know i don't know if that guy actually likes to wear shirts at all um yeah, yeah but you know it's been it's it's i'm so looking forward to it uh, and it's so it's so strange because um i i've also had this dream when i was a kid to to be on survivor you know that game show mm, yeah and yeah. i recently had like i was 
I, so I submitted like an application and I just thought, we'll see what happens. And then they got contacted me and like, Hey, do you want to be on the show? Uh, oh, wow. when we okay. went to interview you. Okay. So you're going through this whole interview process and I felt like I nailed everything. And then the start of these things started happening in the back of my mind. Cause I was like, Oh God, no, this is going to be during the bush bash. I don't want to, I don't want to have to do that. And so the last question was like, why do you really, really want to be on survivor? And I was like, um, I think it'll be quite funny to just watch me complain. And I was like, afterwards, I thought there's no chance that they are going to put me on because in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I'm, I want to go to, yeah, I'm good. I've got a trip to Adelaide that I've planned. I can meet up with some Bitcoins there. I'm going to Cairns, uh, for the bush bash. And I also want to go, um, the Peter McCormick's coming to Sydney. So I'm going to be right. flying down for that. So I'm like, mm. yeah, no, no, no. I actually just want to do Bitcoin. I don't care about going on that shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're speaking to Izzy about it. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about the Survivor show. Because I... I yes, I mentioned it on a Twitter spaces. And um, ah, yeah. the funny thing is, I don't know. Yesterday I did a... I posted something on Twitter. Yeah. where I was like at the gym and I had a Bitcoin shirt because it arrived. Yes. And I had yeah, bought I that, that shirt with a view to <laughs> going Go on, on Survivor. <laughs> but I was like, nah, 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 nah. So yeah, I did mention it. And he too had said he'd done some sort of um, yeah. you know, experience. But yeah, it's. I, I just realized like, actually, do you know what? Um, here's the funny thing also, because I know these production companies and I reckon having, because mm. uh, this is also like, I mean, oh, this is embarrassing. But during my time in Northern New South Wales, I also, and Izzy loves this shit. He, uh, <laughs> I, I did some modeling, okay? Because like ordinary right. people can just model. Like, you know, mm. they don't need, you don't need to be like six foot five and, you know, ripped. So I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your average five ten fella. Um, and so it, it uh, why was I telling you about that now? God. Um, is oh, talking God. about modeling or, uh, but. Damn it! I just missed that. I just thought about how embarrassing the whole thing is. Oh, anyway, I might come back to it. But yeah, no, it's um. Oh no, no, no sorry. Let's uh, let's not talk about that. That was a bit of a. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, it exposes you to different, like your your brain sort of put in like this different environment, right? And then you got to deal with all this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was like, I mean, 2020 was strange, man, because I did a bunch of weird things like because you just don't know what the future was holding at that point. And so, mm. you know, to go back to kind of what I was saying, it, it was really um, it was a very like, a super challenging time because you're trying to figure out like, what am I going to be doing? How long am I going to be stuck here? And I say stuck here as in I couldn't leave Australia. Not that I just wanted to leave forever, but I wanted to go back to see my family, but I couldn't. And you mm. think, well, when are you going to be able to do that? Because um, you won't be able, be able to come back in. And then what am I going to do like work-wise? Like, I just don't know because when are they going to open stuff up? And when mm. can I actually, because my visa was being processed at the time and right. it was just this massive queue. And so I was like, okay, well, how am I going to get to work in Brisbane? Because I had to live in a region. So I couldn't oh, get a job in Gold Coast, like, but I could live 10 minutes south of the Gold Coast and work there. I mean, it's just, that's just how the rules work. So I did... A snake handling course, for example. So I went and, and not that I was going to catch snakes, but I was like, oh, I'll go and do that. So um, I went down to Wollongong and uh, I learned how to handle venomous snakes because I've always been catching snakes. Um, I created a, I came up with an idea called like a Bitcoin property fund where it's like, okay, let's raise $100 million. Let's leverage very conservatively, like take 20% from the bank and just stick it into Bitcoin. Um 
and then you know and and i went to go see people in in, in sydney um to talk about it I, I met up with some corporate finance people here in brisbane i was just trying to just trying to figure out how i can make things work so it's been a strange journey um this whole this whole process i've just uh you know that that's what makes me sort of i say at 39 i always wanted to be like oh, when i'm 40 i want to be hitting my straps and then i'm like oh i'm so grateful now i just turned 39 and i feel like what i'm doing now with the bitcoin podcast is that that's sort of me plowing my energy in something i'm so passionate about and i'm very confident that over time it will yield whatever fruits i don't know what will come from it like i have no clue but it's just so nourishing but the whole journey has been like very 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 up and down i mean yeah like the modeling i was just you know and the modeling can do you can do quite well but like um you know like i try even went to go for like ads where it's like okay it's 15 grand for a toyota ad and you drive to brisbane and you you sit with a casting director for like you know um 10 minutes and he's just Mm. an absolute douchebag and he's just like and you're like oh god i'm a terrible actor and i had to pretend to like cry Mm. and i had to like hold a baby and i was like oh i can't act i'm just i can just stand and smile and pretend and have a laugh because i don't take it seriously and so i did some fun stuff like i did a couple fun shoots like i went into a a night away in the mountains and with like a you know like a four or four company and just silly stuff but Mm. I did everything just to hustle, man, just to kind of sort of uh, make a little bit of money. Um, and I'd already plowed my capital into Bitcoin and I wasn't going to sell. And I was just like, all right, well, let's, let's mm. see, where the, see where this goes. So it's been a very, it's been a very strange journey. But now, now kind of coming full circle, we're in Brisbane and we're sort of, uh, yeah, very happy. Yeah, awesome. um, it's a fantastic place. I know. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been, to me, it's been the, it's the best, it's the best place for me. Uh, Nice. In terms of uh, Australia, where I've lived, I've really just had such a great feeling here. So great, great Bitcoin community too, I must say. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Great chat, Dale. And yeah, once again, thanks. Uh, thanks for making the time like impromptu. And Dude, absolutely. Eh? Um, I'm very stoked. Yeah, I know. It's like this stuff is so energizing and yeah. you you get it. You know the, you know the vibe. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't be having a podcast, <laughs> but... Yeah. yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat, and um, yeah, I'd love to have you on at some point. So yeah, like sure. we can have we yeah. can have a chat, and um, yeah, we, we hopefully we can catch up a little bit more in person in yes. in Kent. I, I know that your partner does attend, so um, yes, She's so my that. my partner and your partner can at least uh, meet. Uh, I know that. Um, oh, I know my, my partner is got, yeah is getting like toxic by the day. I'm like it's like. <laughs> Ditching social media and like uh, has a has a graphene phone and like yeah, just going down. Oh wow! Okay, okay, okay. So she's like level. She's got levels up. My, my wife just sort of has yeah. just just. I mean, she does toe. levels up on me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, yeah. uh, get a new IVPN subscription and like the like. <laughs> Brilliant! No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah. Um, no, once you, I suppose once you start, like you start realizing there's so many mm. layers and um, like, you know, the, the, the whole privacy security thing is just such a no brainer. Yeah. Um, but she's a lot a, of people she, just don't sorry. do it. Yeah. And no, no, I'm and like, she's like, uh, given that I, I work with Amber, but she's like, oh no, I don't want to buy it from there. I want to explore somewhere to get it KYC free. I was like, okay <laughs> <laughs> exactly you're like hey lady support my business no but it's like it's funny it's funny you mentioned that like and i know sorry we're wrapping up but um i've literally just been exploring that myself uh, yeah. because 
you don't know from a risk management perspective at what mm. point so, you know those coins have been tarnished for better or, you know that's a, like a word that you want to use if you've bought it yep. through an exchange and mm. they're fully traceable so you know uh, yes you might have the keys but there is the possibility in a decade two decades i don't know how big a possibility where the government chair might be like you have to hand over you have to put these keys in a multi-sig and we have mm. like you know, access mm. to it or whatever. And you need our permission or whatever. And like, you got to think of the wildest thing. And I was like, you know what? You have to have this little pile that is your absolute insurance that is invisible. Mm. And like, I'm yep. not advocating break the law. I'm saying do whatever the hell you want. But, um, you know, at mm. the same time, I, so I'm looking at these things like BISC and RoboSats. What I've noticed yep. is that like the liquidity for AUD is very low, very, yep. very low. And mm. you can't buy small chunks. So it's not as if you can DCA as we spoke about earlier, yep. it's like, do you want to buy, like when I went on, I saw it, like I've got the app there for BISC and it's like, you can buy a thousand, five hundred, two and a half grand or three grand. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I need to just, I better stock up on some fiat. So yeah, yeah but but I, it is I, a small idea. Is, the inverse is also a problem because like I know someone that wants to go like, oh, they want to buy 50 cable. And, and then there's no liquidity for that as well. So, Exactly. No, there's there's those challenges. There, yeah. The funny thing is, I think that, and, and also, like, by the way, the the best thing about, like, the likes of Amber, which is why I've given it to a couple of beginners, is just the UX. The UX yeah. is really key. Um, you know, I'd say fees aside, you know, I don't even know what the fees are. Who cares? For me, I just want to make sure people can actually see, like, how easy it is. So it's yeah. idiot proof, okay? Yep. Idiot proof yep. is the term I like to use. But is so hellishly terribly <laughs> designed it's like yeah. oh my god if they had yeah. a like i don't care what's happening in the background but can someone just design like a ux that is just going like um you know this is what i want to do because like i mean i'm not an idiot but i was like Shit, this took me like like an hour and a half to figure out like what's going on and so you've got to be motivated to go mm. down that rabbit hole um so yeah i suppose they, yep. there's an opportunity but it's just uh you know but that's not where my energy is best spent. Right. Yeah, 100%. And like, yeah, I mean, not to say too much, but yeah, there's possibly something in the works. For All right. Well, <laughs> P2P is the way to go, man. I love it. Yeah. That's the whole That's the whole point. All right. Well, that's... Um, uh, yeah, awesome. Do you want to like just... Uh, let people know where they can find you i'll have it in the show notes as well but if you yes wanna, thank uh, you so much yeah just last time yeah thank you so much for having me man it's been a pleasure uh if people are interested they can just uh look up the why bitcoin show um, on any any podcast catcher and then my twitter handle is dale21m for 21 million and um yeah you can find me there otherwise i'm not really anywhere else so, or you can hit me up on telegram too if you like if you're a nice person, otherwise I'll block you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks, awesome, dude. Thank you yeah. so much, eh? Take care. You too. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, all I ask is that you share it with one other person. And I also recommend that you use Podcasting 2.0 apps like Breeze or Fountain FM. I'll link them down below. This will help you earn Bitcoin while you listen, and it will also help support the show. Once again, thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you in the next one.